So this week, reading about the greatest blessings that we ever got, the blessings that Bilam gave the Jewish people, are the greatest blessings, and they include the blessings of the coming of Mashiach, and they're such great blessings that we begin our prayers every morning with these blessings. And the words we say every morning are, Matovo Yaakov, how good are your tents, O Yaakov? How good are your tents? What's so great about the tents of Yaakov? So it says in the Talmud that when the Jewish people camped, they were camped in a way that one person's entrance was facing the back of another person's tent. So no one could, no one could see what was going on in someone else's tent. So it was considered um, modest. No one was looking at anyone else's tent. Everyone um, kept their eyes in a holy, pure way. And no one looked what was going on in someone else's tent. No one, no one was prying in, in, in someone else's uh, business. But it's also a deeper idea. Today, Mr. we're going to learn three explanations of what this, what this means. And the first goes like this. About the Jewish people, about Hashem, and about the Torah. In general, in Torah, the number three is a big thing. Like, there are three kinds of souls, Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael, in general. Um, the Torah was given on the day of three, three days of preparation. So, it says that there are three things bound with each other. The Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem. The Zohar says, three bonds. So, let's see how this, how this, what this sentence means to us. Our entrances don't face each other, vis-a-vis the Jewish people, how it is by... Hashem and how it is in, in the Torah. So, the, the idea of, on a simple level, continuing this theme of modesty, is not just about modesty. It's also like not feeling a need to talk about other people, not feeling a need to look at what's going on in someone else's life, not feeling a need to, to wear your gloves and be okay with the way your gloves fit you, and not feeling a need to measure yourself up against other people. There was a salesman who uh, spoke about his success in making a sale. What was his method? You go over to Sprinze and you say, Sprinze, you know, um, you know, Zlata got a new shetel. And this is Zlata's new shetel. This is, this is, and so Sprinze can't rest without having Zlata. Look what Zlata got. So, so that's, that's his method, method of sales. And in a similar way, um, the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, the way he sows strife among people is through Lashon Hara, through us speaking negatively about other people. And it, it says in the Torah that when God forbid someone speaks negatively, negatively with someone else, there is a disease called saras. We've heard of, um, and the disease the Torah says has three names. It's called um, beheres. Beheres means clarity. Sometimes you speak negatively about someone because you want to be the voice of clarity. You want to feel that you are the one who has this 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 the voice of of ethics and morals, and therefore you're going to point out how this person is such a terrible person. This person is dangerous, and there are times you have to point out dangerous in in in, in, a, in a community, and but other times that it's just murder. No one has to know what this person did, something in the past, and but sometimes it's in, in, in people who are interested in, in in attention, they want to be the voice of of moral clarity. There's also another kind of lashon hara, which is called another name for the disease is seis. Seis means you want to lift yourself up. I lift yourself up. Like putting someone else down. And that's and that's uh, as, as, that's what talk radio is. Talk radio is like let's let's put other things down, other ideals down, whatever. It doesn't matter what is. All of talk radio is let's put down. Some people live like that. 
And there's a third kind of name for the disease, and that is sapacha. Sapacha means to be part of the group. There's a group, and everyone is angry and, and jealous and whatever. They're, so why don't we be part of that energy? <laughs> why would you want to be part of that energy? I guess because you want to be part of something. So, so you join the group by, by, by ridiculing someone else or some other ideal or some other group, whatever. So, so that's, that's the opposite of what Bilam saw. Bilam saw that everyone wasn't like that. No one needed to look at what, what was going on in someone else's life. Everyone was happy with their own life. No one used the other, their neighbors as a yardstick. There's a, uh, I don't know if it's, it's uh, where this comes from. I heard it in the name of a Peretz Moshkin. He said, how come, it says, by Avinu, uh, the miracle was that the, the bread lasted from week to week, and it was, a, the, the can, it was fresh all the time, and the candles uh, were lit from week to week, and there was a cloud in the tent. He said, what was so good about the cloud being in the tent? The simple reason is because it's it, it's this indication of divine presence. But he said sort of a, a joke idea. You know why Sarah was okay with the good bread and the good candle? Because she couldn't see her neighbors. The cloud was covering. <laughs> so so what? Although there's something negative, something negative was supposed to happen. God forbid the Jewish people. Bilam was planning something negative, and and he was given. It seemed he had a license for it. But what transformed the negative to the positive? What changed the curse to the blessing? What turns things around for us in our lives is this idea of not feeling, not looking at other people, not not just being happy in your own skin, being happy with what you have, and and having a good eye and, and being happy for what other people have. Rabbi Mordechai Yo, and and he calls over calls over my friend and he says, "Who is rich?" My friend says, "Asmech bechalko, whoever is happy with, with what he has." He says, "No, who is rich?" He was happy with what he has. He was happy with what the other person has. He's happy for the other person. That's that's so, so, so it's both. But it, that, that's that's it, that that shows a real depth of, of, of a good eye. He shared this with my, my friend shared this with Ramon Chayo, the great Kabbalist Al Vashalom. And Ramon Chayo says that's deep. He got it. He gets, you know, Torah can come from anywhere. Bilam says Torah, right? So uh, Elazar had some some great insight in Torah. Anyways, so that's the first meaning of. Their entrances aren't facing each other. It's something which brings blessings to us. We say every day, when every time we pray, three times a day, when we pray, we say, bless us, our Father, always one. We're able to, like, farginzach. Farginzach means to be, to let another person have, let a person have bracha, not to be jealous. Just let them have, and it's good. There was, a friend of mine was sharing about a, um, a gentleman who made a wedding in uh, his community. And they, in their community, they have, like, a, they have like a rule that the hall has a standard price for a wedding uh, for the for the low scale weddings and any and, and there's a rule that they want everyone to keep that this low scale wedding so people shouldn't you know bankrupt the, themselves to make the weddings so they, so they made a rule some communities have that, that, that there's a is that takana there's a rule everyone has to have the low scale wedding not that everyone keeps the rule but that's the rule and, and this community they have a discount if you do this, not only will you get, not only is it cheaper, but you also get a discount. You get all these deals and all these fringe benefits. So, um, so this uh, gentleman gets up at the wedding and he says, "I want to tell you guys that the um, apparently the father of the of the bride was very wealthy." And he says, "I want to tell you." He didn't tell me to announce this. In fact, he's going to be angry that I'm announcing this. But I'm going to tell you that not only did he make the wedding the same level as everyone else. He also sponsored three other weddings today for orphans in orphan brides in Eretz Yisrael. That's 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 class. That's the Jewish people. That's our entrances are not face each other. 
that we're able to just, just look at other people and, and feel good for them. That's our first interpretation. There's another interpretation from Baruch Mezhebush, Baruch Shandu's grandson, who said this. Baruch said, it's talking about Hashem. How so? It says in the, in the Talmud, Hashem says, open up for me like the opening of a needle, and I'll open up for you like the opening of a wide auditorium, or specifically not a wide auditorium, like the opening of the entrance of the second part of the temple, the holier part of the temple, the ulam. If you open up for me like the opening of a needle, Hashem says there will be a disproportionate response. I'll open up for you so much more than what you're giving. You're going to give me a little bit, Hashem says. You open up the eye of a needle, and I'll give you so much more. That's the meaning of our, 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 um, our, our, uh, our entrance is not attuned to each other, meaning our opening and Hashem's opening doesn't fit. Hashem gives us so much more. We open up like the eye of a needle, and Hashem gives us so much more than the eye of a needle. But what's the um, emphasis of the eye of a needle? Say a small opening. Why, why specifically the eye of a needle? So that says an amazing, amazing explanation. Rebbe says that the needle, actually this is from the Kotzka, the Kotzka said this part. He said that when you open up, the idea of a needle is, what's the difference between, God forbid, getting hurt in one way or getting hurt by being pricked by a needle? When you're pricked by a needle, your whole being is shaken. If you get hurt in different ways, God forbid, it doesn't necessarily affect your whole entire being. But when you get pricked by a needle, it's something which shakes you up completely. So in a similar way, when Hashem asks us to open up for Him like the eye of a needle, what that means is it may not do something that's very big for you, but you have to put yourself completely into it. That, it, that, that it's something that, that, that your whole core is into. It's a mitzvah that you've taken upon yourself, and you're, and you're totally invested in it. It's, it's, it's like, like, like the needle. It's not, it's not a, a very big thing. But nevertheless, you took this upon yourself in a big way. There was a guy, is a guy, Nangazunt, Rabbi Nachum Markowitz, in, um, in Crown Heights, when he was a yeshiva student, he was working as a shmira. He was staying up at night, and he was guarding the neighborhood. So it was more exciting to him than, uh, than learning Torah. And so he was a yeshiva student, but he, he was doing this for a while, and he got bored of it. So he decided that next specs, next step, his next chapter in his life should be marriage. Maybe he should jumpstart that 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 uh, stage of his life, try to get married. Who is going to ask? He asks the Rebbe. He comes to the Rebbe and he has this idea: he should get married. What does the Rebbe think? The Rebbe said to him that you're too young to get married. You haven't matured enough to get married. Um, you shouldn't leave this um, um, shmira. You should continue doing the guarding the neighborhood. However, the Rebbe says. I want you to have five minutes where you study um, the written Torah and five minutes you study the oral Torah. Neb explained that the five minutes studying the written Torah, it should be about the Torah portion of the week. And the five minutes studying the oral Torah should be on any subject of your choice. But only five minutes, you should be, and you shouldn't be in a way that you're like hurting yourself to learn. It should be that you've already been well-rested and well-fed. And these five minutes are just like you're relaxed and can totally focus, and these are your five minutes studying Torah, and don't add. If you want to add, Debra said, you could add, but not more than 20%. In other words, another 60 seconds. That's it. The oral Torah you could choose, Debra said, but uh, the written Torah should be the Parsha of the week. Five minutes of this, five minutes of that, and that's it. Okay? So, he accepts this, of course, and he became very interested in what he was learning. He was learning, I think the first Torah portion he studied was Parsha Sayera, 
about the, the three angels that came to Abraham's tent, and it was interesting, and he wanted to continue. And but the Rebbe said not more, so he had another minute. But he st- so he came back to the Rebbe, said, "Can I continue?" The Rebbe said, "Yes, you can continue. You can do more." What, what did the Rebbe want to accomplish with giving him a five-minute regimen? The Rebbe wanted only five. The Rebbe wanted him that he well, to be there completely and to open up the eye of a needle. But if the eye of a needle, let it that you're there, fully present. That this little opening, it's, it's maybe a tiny opening, but it, the tiny opening is compared. The Rebbe says to a needle specifically. Why a needle? A needle is used to for thread to make a garment. So Nisham is in the body, and Nisham is attached to Hashem, and this world is a very physical, very earthy world, and Hashem puts a soul in the body, in a, in a physical world, in a world of exile, in a world of consumed godliness. The Alter Rebbe says Hashem is compared to an exile, to someone walking around in the desert, and he's very thirsty, and he wants some water, and so to Hashem in this world, there's not. He doesn't have that much going for him in quantity, right? If, you, if we look at the, the, in the numbers, there's not so many mitzvahs going on in the numbers compared to all of the, 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 um, the opposite, God forbid. And yet, Hashem, in this world, He's placed us, He cherishes those, uh, those, those little, like a drop of water, a little drop of holiness that we add to, to our lives. For Hashem, it's like a person walking the desert, that's and he just wants a drop of water. And, that, and that, that's, that's so precious to him. That's why it's compared to the, the needle. Just like with a needle, you, you thread, you, you bring down something when you, when you decide to take on that specific thing that, you're, that you want to do. You, there's something mitzvah that you wanted to do, and you feel passionate about it, and you, want, and you put yourself into it. Maybe something very small, but the Hashem says, if you do this, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to open up for you like the opening of a ulam. Open with the ulam, the Rebbe says two explanations. Amazing. What was the ulam? The ulam was a place that was 40 cubits, 40 amas wide. Why 40? What's 40? We find that Torah, the Maral says 40 is always a number for transformation. It was 40 days for, um, of the flood. But why was it 40 days of the flood? Because the world was going through a mikveh, and a mikveh is only kosher if it has uh, 40 measurements of water. It was 40 days for us to get the Torah. Moshe was on the mountain. Um, 40 days um, that Moshe was on the mountain. 40 days, um, 40 years in the desert. Always 40 is a number for transformation. So Hashem says, you open up for me. You take on this specific tiny little thing in your life. You think, like, well, that's a big deal. Hashem says, no, it's a very big deal. For me, it's a very big deal, Hashem says. Not only it's a very big deal for me, but it's going to be a very big deal for you because I'm going to open up for you and you're going to have a better world. Your world will be a better world. Both physically be a better world and a spiritually better world. I'll open up for you. Actually, there's another uh, text in the Talmud. The other text in the Talmud says, Hashem says, I'll open up for you like the openings of a of for caravans, like to op- a wide streets. I'll open up for you like many wide streets, which means it's not just one opening Hashem's going to give us, but many, many wide openings. You take something upon yourself and you put yourself into it. Your heart, Hashem says, there's a lot of a lot of opportunities will, will come for you, both physically and spiritually. That's the idea of, of the 40 amas, the 40, the, the space that it's open indicates that Hashem gives us a chance to have a new world, to open up, you put yourself into something, you think, that's oh, just a little thing. So that's the second interpretation of their, that the entrances aren't parallel to each other, that we open up to Hashem just a little bit, and Hashem responds to us so much more. So the first interpretation, that it's about us towards each other, that we feel comfortable in our own shoes and we don't use the yardstick of our neighbors to, to figure out what kind of car we have to have and what kind of house we have to have and what kind of job we have to have. And we're able to like just 
be happy with uh, what Hashem has given us and be happy with what they have too. And not to, not to, not to measure ourselves against it. And the second interpretation is that when we, that Hashem gives us a disproportionate amount of, of, uh, of reward for, for our tiny investment, but tiny yet like a needle, that it's, that it's something we put ourselves into. We put ourselves into that, into that mitzvah. Now there's a, uh, a third interpretation. Third interpretation is, everyone follow the first two? You with me? Yeah. That our entrance, we open to Hashem, and Hashem, Hashem is not fitting our opening. Our opening to Hashem is a very tiny opening. Hashem opens up that doesn't fit. It's much, so much more. You open up all of spirituality and all of godliness is revealed in you just because you just took one tiny little mitzvah. So it's like, it doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's a disproportionate. And the third interpretation is that in Torah, in our path in serving Hashem, it's also, everyone's different. Everyone has, everyone has a different way to serve Hashem. Everyone has a different thing that they do. Different thing that they, that they feel that's their mitzvah. Our path in Torah, everyone's path in Torah is different. There's things that you, I mean, there are things which the whole generation is the same. Like, famously, the Arizal said the reason he made his uh, version of prayer is because there are 12 ways to enter the temple. If, and corresponding to 12 tribes. And if you don't know what tribe you're from, the Rizal says, I made an, uh, I, there's a 13th gate. And so too in prayer, the Rizal says, his nusach of tefillah, his prayer is for every soul. Every soul can connect with his nusach. There's nusach of dari. And so there are things which are all, all in common. All in common in the fact that we're the generation before the coming of Mashiach. And we're in a generation in which we were married to the teaching of Hasidus, and we have to share that. But in that itself, there's, there's, there's worlds, and everyone has their own world in, that, in this world before the coming of Mashiach. This guy was at a Fabrengen with a Mendel Futafas, and he was a yeshiva student, and he was, he was crying at the Fabrengen. And he was crying because he said to the Mendel, Mendel said, why are you crying? He said, I'm crying because all my colleagues, they learn lots of Torah, and they're, it's easy for them, and they advance so much, and they're learning books and chapters, and, and they're, they're amazing, and I, and, and, but I can't do that. It's not fair. Why can't I do what they're doing? What's the, why, why am I not able to measure up against them. Why, I mean, I want to learn, but I, I just, I can't learn that. I can't learn it in quantity as much as them. I can't learn in quality as much as them. Why was I given this unfortunate circumstance that I'm just not a vessel for Torah? So Mendel took out a, uh, a cup of, uh, a bottle of Coke, and he poured it into a cup, told the top. So Mendel said to the boy, which has more, the cup or the bottle? Remember this? I think I shared it a few months ago, maybe. Which is more, the cup or the bottle? So the boy's like, of course the bottle. So Mendel said, so what's the advantage that the cup has over the bottle? I don't know. The bottle has more. No, Mendel said. The cup has an advantage. And the ring continued. And then Mendel went back to him and said, the advantage of the cup is that it's, all, it's full to the top. It's full to the top. So Mendel was saying, that Hashem doesn't, what does Hashem want? Does Hashem want full or does he want more? Hashem wants full. He wants us to fully invest where we are, in the circumstances that we're in, in the details of our lives, where we are, to put our hearts in completely in where we are, and this is, this is where we're supposed to be. In this specific mitzvah that you've chosen, in the specific circumstances that you have, the full, the full heart, the full, with full, where you are. And then Hashem opens up for us, Hashem, and, and, and it makes a big difference. That's, that's a third interpretation, that, the, that our, our entrances aren't um, parallel to each other, that everyone has their own way of serving Hashem, and yet, 
like in the second interpretation, we have to open up like the eye of a needle and put ourselves into it it's in a way that 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 and that Hashem responds to us. In our family, we have this custom. We ask everyone to share on Friday night their highlight of the week. Everyone should share something that they saw, you know, Hashem's hand, something of divine providence, something. So, um, um, something happened yesterday. Uh, on that note, maybe it's connected a little bit. I was thinking of sharing this, but whatever, divine providence. So I have, I have a ver- Hashem gives me very easy atonement for all of my mistakes. The easy atonement that I have is that I'm very, uh, I lose a lot of things. And I usually I find them eventually, but the Gemara says if you put your hand in your pocket and you can't find, and you just you put your hand in your pocket and you'll find something, that's an atonement. So so yesterday I uh, I am the Uber driver of my family, and I went to airports, uh, like five times the last two days. I don't remember already because the, the flight was delayed, whatever. And and, and don't Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm going back. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna switch the job, but it's uh, I'm, uh, someone thought they were going. Lots of flights are, are canceled. Yeah, what's, what's going on with all the flights canceled? It's a weather, weather, the weather in New York. My brother's stuck in New York. Yeah, I don't know if he's stuck anywhere. And the weather is already better in New York, but the flight paths are... Uh, now they have all the... All over... So, right, 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 right. Yeah, you can get a flight on... No, I could, I could, I could, I could uh, give you a class on the laws of uh, United and uh, minors traveling and all the halachas of that. Anyways, so I, I, as, my, as my custom is, I couldn't find my car where I parked. And I, I didn't try too hard to remember. Sometimes I try, I write it down. I didn't try so hard because I was literally at the entrance of the parking structure. So like, I was in the best possible place. I knew what floor it was on. Like, I don't have to check. This, 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 this is easy. And I come back, and I, and I go to length and breadth and depth of that floor, and just in case, the floor beneath it. And there's another, and now in my journeys of trying to find my car in different places in the world, I've never encountered a fellow um, uh, look a searcher, but this yesterday I found another fellow searcher who was also looking for their car, and they said that th- there was a, we were I think at that time on 3D, and their car was on 4D. So I'm like, you know your car is on 4D, why are you on 3D? She said because I already checked 4D. I said but there's not a chance your car is here if you parked on 4D. Is it? You know it was 4D. Then she said, I guess there's more than one 4D. Ah. <laughs> so internationally, in Los Angeles, LAX, there are two parking lots for Tom Bradley, just be aware. And my car was indeed right in front of the other parking structure. Don't ask me which one was which. I'm sure I'm going to go back to today. I'll have the same problem. Whatever. But, uh, so, so, uh, but my point is, like, I was looking and looking, but I was looking in the wrong place. If you're looking in the wrong place, you're never going to find you're never going to find you're looking in the wrong place. You can look from day to tomorrow. If you're looking in 4D, you're not looking in 3D, you'll never find. So Hashem puts us, each of us, in our own lives, in our own place, and, and, and with divine providence, which I want to show you the amazing story. Unbelievable. This guy, he's driving. True story. Um, okay, two, two stories. One more story. Okay, fine. Two stories. What time is it already? We have time. It's Right, 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 right. Same idea. I want to have that person's mission. We can all learn from each other. We all can be jealous of each other, but not in a way that it burns you, not in a way that it hurts you. We can learn from how other people do their mission, how it applies to you. Okay, so, so when, uh, 
Rabbi Zemir Cohen, he also said about his return to Judaism and how he took one mitzvah, mitzvah of Shabbos candles, and his wife didn't want to light Shabbos candles. And yet for him, that was mitzvah he chose, and, and he, he and had changed, he changed his whole life completely because he took something, he took it, took it for real. So it's divine providence how Hashem sets up our lives and what the mitzvah is that we feel an affinity to. And, 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 but we should, the point is to put ourselves into that. So I want to share one more story. This story is unbelievable. Unbelievable. This guy is, is driving um, in, the, in the mountains in Switzerland, and he's, his, his car is, is um, between a mountain and a cliff. And all of a sudden, he hears a beep. So he stops the car. And the second he stops the car, there's, his car is close to the, to the cliff, and there is a bus which is like sort of the middle of the road, and, and the bus is coming. On, he, he, if he hadn't stopped, for, the bus just veered around him, but had he not stopped, he for sure wouldn't have been, been alive. He would have to move around the bus and gone, or stay and gone, whatever, gone. So he's thinking, though, but where did the beep come from? There's no cars in front of me, no cars in back of me. Where did the beep come from? It wasn't from the bus. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the beep from the bus. It was listening to a Torah class, and there was the Torah class was a few years old, uh, or Torah doesn't get old. And there was a beep in the middle of the class, in the background. And so, so uh, we're going to hear the Shafer of Hashem, and going to be called from wherever we are in our in the kitchen, in the dining room, taking out the garbage, whatever it is. Hashem has a, a plan for us to go to Shalim with Mashiach, and until we get there. We're all heading to the same place. We have to get ready for that uh, that beep of the Abishter with the with the Shafer Godel. And meanwhile, to like to focus fully in where what has placed us. Any questions, comments?